Good morning, Lydia House. And good morning, Lord. We love you. And we're so thankful that we have had the privilege to meet together here. Meet together and have unity together. And that's the scripture for today from my little daily text, Psalm 133. And in Hebrew, we would sing, that's a wonderful uh, little song and dance that's the visual of what God does for us as we join arms together. And we're just so thankful for my mother, her, who turned 96, my sister who's visiting, <laughs> and she has helped us uh, as our family uh, have that unity and love uh, that's from the Lord. And from John 20, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. With that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what we do. That's how we can be in unity. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit and for your work among us. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And just a couple quick announcements this morning. Uh, welcome to everybody joining us on Zoom or later on in the year or day or century. <laughs> it's great to have you with us as well. And we are looking for a couple volunteers to help with tech stuff. If anybody is tech inclined or not tech inclined, you can be trained to point a camera or hit a button. If you want to help out once in a while, let CJ and Ruth know. Ruth, do you have a... Okay, I was gonna say that's that's what really bothered me is that he said a kid could do my job. If you're talking about tech stuff, that's not actually helpful. Kids can do way more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you're you're doing it, Ruth. We appreciate it a lot. And uh, if we get a couple of more volunteers, that would be awesome for the new location, which is the barn. And yes, the Red Barn, where we'll be meeting in two weeks. Next week is our last Sunday here, and we are going to kind of focus the service on thanking God for allowing us to meet here for 10 years, honoring Karen and Paul uh, for allowing us to meet here for 10 years and putting up with us. And Naomi, obviously, every Sunday you yeah. do that, right? Um, and so. Uh, come join us next week for our little farewell service. Feel free to invite anybody you want. You know, people, uh, a lot of people have been blessed over the last decade in ministry here, and it's a good and fitting thing to say farewell when we have to leave. We're, we're thankful that we're not saying farewell to Paul or Karen, 
or Margaret, or Naomi. Uh, we're only saying goodbye to the building, and as we all know, a church is not a building, amen. A church is a group of people, which is us, and if we need to gather around a dumpster, we can manage, right? Fortunately, it's not a dumpster. It's actually a really nice building, so we'll, we'll be enjoying that in two weeks on the 25th, and the address is 566 Main Street. Write it down, put it in your phone. It's easy to remember. 566 Main Street, Lionel Lakes. Just up the road from here. So we look forward to seeing you there in two weeks. So next week here. After that, not here. And some of us will occasionally forget and drive to the Roseville house on accident. And <gasps> your level of humility will determine whether or not you share that with us. <laughs> and that's okay. I'll probably do that too. Um, so no worries there. Let's pray and prepare our hearts for worship this morning. Father God, we thank you for all the rain this week. We know that the earth needs rain. And while that might interrupt certain plans for uh, being outside or whatnot, we know that it's very, very necessary. And with a little bit of a dry winter, the farmers have been very happy this week, I have no doubt. And so we ask to you that you would continue to bless the land yes. and bless this place, that you would bless our state, that you would bless the leadership um, who is in charge of various things with this state, that you would give them wisdom, that you would allow them to be humble and to follow your ways. We pray for the leadership of this nation as you ask us to do, Lord Jesus. And we pray the same thing for them. Yes. We pray for wisdom. We pray for humility. We pray for uh, a willingness to follow you and your ways and to do what is right and not do what is in their own best interest. And we can pray that for ourselves too. Lord, sometimes we do simply do what's best for us and not necessarily what's best for those around us or even our own families. Um, I think that's selfishness is sort of the human default setting. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to flip that switch um, towards humility to you and asking ourselves what you would have us do in any given situation. And on that note, I think we should take a moment to confess our sins before the Lord, maybe things that we did that were towards our default settings this week that we shouldn't have done, or something that we could have done and chose not to out of, again, selfishness or laziness or whatever reason, maybe out of fear. So let's take a moment just to release those things to the Lord and receive forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, that your word says that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we receive that forgiveness in Jesus' name, that forgiveness that you won for us through what you did on the cross. Keep us mindful of that, Lord, as we worship. We praise you because not only did you die for us, you rose again. You are still risen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When we pray that you can help us now to just put everything else aside, everything that's maybe troubling our minds or our thoughts, you can help us set those things aside now and worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen.
fullness of eternal promise. Stirring in your sons and daughters, earth revealing heaven's wonders, spirit come, spirit come. What you spoke is now children shall behold it dreams awaken in this moment spirit come spirit come pour it out let your love run over here and now let your glory fill this house pour it love run over here and now let your glory fill this house now the world awaits your presence and this power is within us we will rise to be your witness spirit come spirit come spirit come spirit come pour it out let your love run over here and now let your glory fill this house pour it out let your love run over here and now. Let your glory fill this house. Oh. Tons of fire. Testifying of the sun, one desire. Spirit come, spirit come, speak revival. Prophesy like it is done, one desire. Run over 
resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. We're going to receive the healing of the Lord today that he won for us on the cross. Um, some of you know this, but my dad, Steve, he's been in the hospital since Thursday with a bad staph infection. He's still there <laughs> and might get to go home tomorrow. We're praying for that. So we're praying for, he's been trying to turn the corner for a while and it's been very slow going and some driving backwards for some reason. 
so we could pray for healing for Steve and anybody else. Anybody else have a pressing healing need for themselves or family? Okay, well, if you, if you have a need, raise your hand and let's just receive from the Lord. And if you don't, even if you don't have anybody to raise your hand for, why don't you do it anyway? And as the Lord says in Luke 11, ask him for bread so that you can bring it to your friends. There, you might run into somebody this week, a neighbor, a friend, something like that, who needs the Lord's healing. So let's let's be asking for that in advance. For your glory we ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would bring your healing on Steve and others that have needs. You see them, Lord. Jesus, we know there are glitches that come in our way. Big ones, little ones. Father, we pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would bring healing today. And I had the thought of our batteries need to be recharged my car needed to be recharged this week. <laughs> and through your Holy Spirit, you recharge our hearts and heal our bodies. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I 
have a word from the Lord that they feel is for the group. about earlier we actually had three glitches yesterday and so I wanted to pray for Paul over in Detroit area he's preaching um, yesterday we had uh, my mom had an incident where she fainted basically and but she was in a safe place and my son Israel was there who's a nurse and so in the midst of things happening, I'm, I'm learning to say, well, thank you, Lord. Uh, Naomi also had a seizure, and uh, my grandchildren were there, and my sister was there. And I had to say, okay, Lord, this does not make me happy. We're praying against this, but thank you, she's protected. My mother was protected. I was trying to start the car and it didn't work. And uh, thankfully, Micah Swenson, who lives here, came out and, and jumped it. So, um, Lord, whatever's happening in Detroit with the, the theme is breaking strongholds. So we come against the enemy in all his ways, all the glitches he brings, the darts he brings. We say no. That's all dissipated because you are doing your work today, Father, breaking strongholds. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is your desire. And we pray for hearts to just cry out for you and say, yes, Lord, I receive that. In Jesus' name, amen. You stood up. My little word is do not be afraid. I am here. I am with you. And I will never leave you or forsake you. And I am the victor in every situation. Anybody else? So I don't know if this is God or me, but I figured I'd say it anyway. I thought it would be really cool if we've been praying for healing so much and next week is our last week here. How cool it would be if we just went out with gusto and healing. So I don't know if that's God or me, but either way, I feel like it's a good idea. So let's be praying for that throughout the week. Like, not that we have to wait for healing for next week, but why not all pray in preparation for next week's service that we can have just a wave of healing. So. Amen. Seems like that sounds good to just about everybody. We, this... This house could use a little healing. I know a lot of us are fighting illnesses and injuries and other health issues, and that's a great opportunity, amen? Amen. For God to come in with healing. So we pray for that, Lord. We thank you for that. And let's be expectant. It's hard to remain expectant when you've prayed for something a hundred times and you haven't gotten it. But the fact that you pray for that hundred and first time proves you have faith. Amen? Amen. And so your emotions don't always have to line up nope. with your faith. Nope. Sometimes you can be like, oh, I'm so frustrated that I'm so praying for this. But you, taking that step is far more powerful than whatever you happen to be feeling in the moment. Right. Amen? Right. Amen? So very, very seldom does God say, and therefore, my people, you must feel good about it. <laughs> I mean, maybe I missed it. 
and it's in there a lot, but I don't think it is. I think it's, therefore, my people obey. Therefore, do what I said. Therefore, believe what I said. Therefore, act in accordance with what I've already said. Those are the kind of things that God tells us to do, amen? And so, if we find ourselves in those kind of positions where our emotions are not following suit, uh, just tell them to knock it off. And that's what David does all the time. We've read the Psalms a lot, probably, throughout our lives. A lot of us grew up in the church. A lot of us grew up as missionaries or different things like that. David's always saying, hey, soul, what's your deal? That's right. Why are you so downcast? What's yeah. wrong? Knock it off. God is in charge. He is in heaven. We follow him. He's going to take care of us. So he's telling himself yeah. what to do. And that's funny in a way, but it's also really smart. Yes. Sometimes we need to tell ourselves yes. what to do. Exactly. Um, amen. Let's, let's, amen. Let's pray as we transition here. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word that you spoke to the prophets and apostles that was written down for us. We thank you for the words that you speak for us today. Lord, it says in your word that man shouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word that is falling from the lips of God. And so we want to hear you this morning. We want to follow you and what you want us to do individually, as families, as a church family, Father, as we move on to a new home. We do all these things trusting in you, holding your hand, like a kid holding their father's hand. And the kid doesn't always know what's going on or where they're going or how long it's going to take to get there, but they trust the father. So we trust you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, You will need one of these. Grab one, open it up. If you're home uh, watching, please grab a Bible. Turn to Matthew 18. And so those of you who are here, I think there might still be some Bibles on the shelf over there. It's a little chaotic at the moment, as you can imagine. Um, Matthew 18 is where we're going to be going. So I had a different message prepared to share this morning, uh, but God gave me a prophetic word Tuesday or Wednesday. This week is a blur. (laughs) Earlier in the week, um, he gave a prophetic word for us for today. And so I decided to sort of preach more on that theme, which is forgiveness, is the theme. We we, we try to preach on that here anyway, every six months or so, because we need to be reminded how important forgiveness is, both us receiving forgiveness from God and us learning to forgive other people. And honestly, forgiveness is probably the hallmark teaching of Christianity, if you look at it. I mean, just about everything in the Old Testament is pointing towards Jesus, whose big end game was what? buying the forgiveness for our sins on the cross. And a lot of the focus afterwards is learning to receive that forgiveness and learning to forgive others in return. Uh, So we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then I'll share the word I got later before we have some some prayer time. Um, I've taught on this a number of times, but we already have everything from God that we could ever need. Okay, On the cross... Another cross. There's only one cross, but here there's multiple in the room. Um, On that cross, that once and for all event, Jesus sacrificed himself. He gave up his life for us. And as we are adopted into the family of God, God has already given us everything we need. When Jesus died on the cross, even though that was in the past, 
he did stuff that is still affecting us in the present and will affect us in the future, right? And I know that's sort of time travel-y and possibly a little difficult to understand. But when he was on the cross, he already knew what you would need forgiveness for up until this day. And he knew what you would need forgiveness for this next week and the week after that. And it's it's sort of timey-wimey. But everything we need was already given for us on the cross. All the love we could ever need, all the acceptance we ever need, all the strength we ever need to endure any trial or any circumstance, all the strength we would need to fight any giant, all these things have already been given to us on the cross. They're already ours. Paul, over and over again, he's like, no, Christ isn't going to win the victory. He's already won the victory. And understanding in our heads that position that we are in, we are already in the victory position as far as God's concerned. From heaven's perspective, this has all happened. (laughs) Our lives are done. And God's like, yes, I know exactly what you need. And just rely on me and you'll have it. You can receive what it is he's given you. Um, But it can be hard stuff to understand. Um, But all the forgiveness, which is the topic of the day, all the forgiveness we will ever need has already been given to us. It's already been given to us. And I referenced this earlier, but um, 1 John chapter 1 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So all we have to do to receive that forgiveness from God that we already have, all we need to do to get it is to confess or to repent, right? Um, so I, I've used this analogy before, but I, I like to think of it like a bank account. Um, you guys remember bank accounts, right? I, I haven't been inside a bank in I don't know how long now, but, but I do still have a couple bank accounts. And <clears throat> you, you get your money deposited in there or you deposit it in there, and that's where you keep it. It's safe, it's great, and that's where your stuff is. And what's in your account is yours, right? It's your money. But what if at 10 p.m. on a Thursday night, you're like, oh, I I just had an opportunity to buy this car for only $4,000. It's worth three times that. And you need to go get your money. What's going to happen? You can't get it. Bank's closed. You can max out your ATM, but I doubt your ATM lets you get four grand. Um, So it's your money, but you can't get it. Right? And I think forgiveness is like that, too. Normally, all we need to do to get forgiveness is to go make a withdrawal from the bank, which is repentance, confession. That's our withdrawal, and then we get what's already ours, what Jesus already deposited for us on the cross. He filled that bank account once and for all. It's full of all the forgiveness we would ever need. But it turns out there are two things that can close that bank to us. There are two things that we do or not do that result in the forgiveness bank staying closed so that we can't make withdrawals. And so as we sin and we want to confess and make a withdrawal then from the forgiveness bank for what Jesus has done for us, um, we try to make that withdrawal and it doesn't work. We can't be forgiven if either of these things are taking place. And so then we're living in a state of unforgiveness. We're living in an unforgiven state and that's, there's a lot of things about that state that are bad. Don't visit that state. It's the worst state in the union. Unforgiveness is lousy. And as we're going to look at later, um, God will allow us to go there if that's what we choose. And it's not a good place to go. 
So what are the two things that can close the forgiveness bank for us? Anybody know? Can I get the... Two things. One's pretty obvious. Steve? Not forgiving others. Not forgiving others. Yep, that's one of them. And just unrepentance is the other one. So pretty simple. So the, the way we make our withdrawal, the withdrawal slip, is just confession, repentance. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So then if we don't confess our sins, we, we don't receive that forgiveness. Make sense? That's why we take confession seriously. We, we have a time of confession every single Sunday here because God takes that seriously, right? Coffee break. Hold this. Coffee boy. Thank you, sir. He's used to that. The first porn. <laughs> so unrepentance closes the bank to us because we don't bother to make a withdrawal is what that means. We just don't show up and ask for forgiveness. So how do we get it? If we don't ask. It's already ours. It's already there. But we can't appropriate it to ourselves. Appropriate's the big theological word for this. Um, and the second one, as Steve said, is unforgiveness. If we ourselves are in unforgiveness towards anyone else, I, I point at Margaret as if anyone would hold unforgiveness towards her or could possibly have an opportunity to, which is very funny. Um, but if we are holding unforgiveness towards anyone or anything, then we aren't going to be forgiven ourselves. We'll sin, as we always do. We always make mistakes. We miss it. We screw up, right? This, this happens all the time. And then we come and we try to receive forgiveness and it won't work. It won't happen. And it's not that Jesus now didn't somehow die on the cross for you. No, no, no. That still happened. We just can't receive it. We can't make that withdrawal if we are not forgiving other people. And this is, this is a concept that I really missed growing up as a Christian. I don't know why I missed this. Um, I don't know if it wasn't really taught or if it was taught and I didn't understand it. Or if I just heard it and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I didn't really get this until I, sometime in college, uh, around that age, um, this kind of hit me and I was like, holy, if this is really true, this is kind of a big deal. Um, keep your finger in Matthew 18, actually, and flip to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Um, so this, this concept of the need for forgiveness and that if you're holding on to unforgiveness, you yourself can't be forgiven. That concept is found a lot of times. Jesus talks about it quite a bit, and Paul reinforces it. Um, but Jesus talks about it several times. And here's one of them, Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. In this one, he doesn't tell a parable like we're going to look at in a second. He doesn't give an analogy. He doesn't give a story. He just flat out says it. And he doesn't just say the, the, um, syllab uh, the, the statement. He gives the converse, which is true as well. So if you forgive others, Matthew 6, 14, when they wrong you, then your heavenly Father will forgive you. Okay? Notice that's a conditional, if then. If you forgive others, then your heavenly Father would forgive you. And now you could assume that the opposite is true, but it doesn't say that. Even if it didn't say that, but it does. He actually says it. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive others when they wrong you, <clears throat> excuse me, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Again, it's a conditional statement there. If you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. So the forgiveness bank is closed at that moment to us. If we're not forgiving, then we aren't forgiven. 
It's still ours. It's still there in the bank. It's still accessible to us at any time after we forgive that person or that thing or, or whatever it is. And so, yeah. Uh, Steve, did you have a comment? Nope. Okay. Anybody else? Move on. Okay, let's go to Matthew 18. And here Jesus says the same thing. He just does it in story form as he, as he is uh, so excellent at doing. And it's, uh, on the one hand, it's a Sunday school passage. I mean, I, I remember this. This is a kid's story. Except somehow as a kid, I always missed the ending. Um, the ending is scary. It goes from like, it's like one of those nursery rhymes that it's, it's at the beginning, it's all great, or a Grimm Brothers story, and it's all wonderful, and there's horses, and there's a princess, and there's a house made of candy, and they all end really dark and horrible, right? Oh, look, a house of candy, I am being eaten, uh, you know? Like, this is one of those stories. It starts out super nice, and there's kings, and there's nice stuff, and then at the end is absolutely terrifying. I think it's the scariest passage in the whole Bible. Okay, let's read it. Matthew 18, starting with verse 21. Let's read it. I'm excited to scare you. Seriously, though, if this doesn't scare you, I don't know what that means. If it doesn't scare you, you might need to spend a little more time with the Lord. I don't know. Let's, let's see what we think when we get there. Let's see what we think when we get there. Verse 21 of Matthew 18. Then Peter came up to him, which is came out to Jesus and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? As many as seven times. So I don't know what Andrew's been up to lately, but Peter's not having it anymore, right? He's like, look, I'm done with this kid. He's always stealing my fish. I don't know what it is, right? Um, now, he could be a metaphorical brother and he's actually talking about James who's screwing around. Uh, uh, we don't know. But the point is, Peter thinks he's very magnanimous by saying, shall I forgive him up to seven times? Because I am so generous. And probably a lot like you, Jesus, i got to say. So seven whole times. And Jesus is like, uh, yeah, try 70 times that. And I think the look on their, the faces that Jesus got when he said that was like, come on. There's no way I need to forgive that often. Once you've done it however many times, that's it. You're dead to me. I'm not going to forgive you anymore. Uh, and I think Jesus saw that look on their faces or just knew their hearts. And so then he told the story. Yes, Steve? Well, I think he was being, I, I would have thought he was being magnanimous too. Yeah, seven times is a lot actually. Especially if it's the exact same thing. Those are tough, right? Dude, you do this every time. Ugh. And now listen. When we're talking about forgiveness, we're not talking about go ahead and become a doormat to whoever it is and let them ruin your life. Or any, we're, not, we're not saying that sort of thing. We're not saying that forgiving means pretending what happened was okay. Definitely not saying that. Some things are very not okay. And you're not saying what happened didn't hurt me. I'm, I'm impervious to your pain. We're not saying that either. We're saying that we are letting it go. And that debt that you owe me for what you did, I'm going to give that to the Lord instead of trying to reclaim it myself. And that's the exact metaphor, actually, that Jesus uses here in this parable. So he tells, after seeing their faces, when he says, how about 70 times that, um, Jesus tells this story. All right, you don't think you need to forgive that much? All right, check this out. Uh, as is always true in the story of Jesus tells, when there's a king in the story, 
almost every time that king represents God the Father. Okay. I don't know why. Maybe because he's the king of kings. <laughs> Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. A talent was a, a unit of money, basically like a wheelbarrow full of silver or something like that. So we're talking, I mean, 10,000 talents, literally like a wheelbarrow full. This is like, he could never, ever possibly pay off this debt. Ever. He, I don't know how he owes so much money. And I don't know who kept loaning this guy money, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> the point is, this guy owed the king more than he could ever possibly repay. Sound like anybody you know? Joe Biden. Well, a lot of folks, and all of us, and all of us, with our debt to sin that we owe to God, which is, of course, what Jesus is trying to get at here. So he owed, he owed so much money. And since he could not pay his master, ordered him to be sold, which is what they did back then. <laughs> along with his wife and children and all that he had and as much payment as they could get from that and that was sent to help relieve the debt. And so the servant fell on his knees. Some real humility here, I think. He's scared. He does not want to be sold, nor would anyone. <laughs> and he said, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. I swear, I promise. I'll, and you can, you can imagine him just blubbering. Please, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. It's possible. You, you're never going to pay me. It's not going to work. But he begs. And 27, verse 27, and out of pity, the master of that servant released him. The king released him. He forgave the debt. Whoa. He owed more than he could ever possibly repay in his life. And the king said, you know what? Let's just wipe it out. Let's wipe the it clean. The guy was just begging for more time. The guy was just begging for more time, exactly. Please give me time and I'll pay it back. And the king's like, that's never going to happen. And he just had mercy on the guy. He had compassion on him. And he said, you know what? I'm gonna, not only am I not going to sell you, I'm going to wipe out your debt altogether. Crazy. Crazy generous. Crazy mercy, right? Then verse 28. <laughs> right, just like that. That's Jesus' point here. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. So this, and this makes it sound like it's immediately... He walks out of jail. He's like, woo, I'm free, I'm free. Hey, you owe me money. Like as soon as he walks out, he found a servant that owed him 100 denarii. That's like a day's wages. And seizing him, he began to choke him. Andrew, stand up. Hey, where's the money you owe me? Like that's fairly intense. That's like, hey, how's it going? Hey, do you remember that 100 bucks I loaned you? Do you think you could maybe? No, give me my money. Like, the dude's a little not right, right? Sorry, you may sit now. I've just l left evidence now of, of abuse, but I, that's okay. Thank you, Andrew, for being my uh, test dummy. So, the guy's nuts, okay? This is not okay. He gets forgiven a larger debt than he could even imagine. The minute he walks out, he finds somebody who owes him, by comparison, something very little. By comparison, that debt was pretty small. You okay? Traumatized? A little bit? Um, so by comparison, this debt was very, very small. And yet the guy is merciless. Give me what you owe me. He's choking the guy. Crazy. Um, 
And this, this servant did exactly what he had done. He fell down on the ground, verse 29. And he pleaded with him, have mercy on me and I'll pay you. That's just what this guy had said to the king for that enormous debt. But he refused. The servant who was just forgiven all that debt refused to forgive the small debt the other person owed him. And he put the guy in prison. He called the sheriff, and this is how it worked back then. This guy owes me money. He won't pay. I want him, I want him carted off to jail. And so they sent him to jail until he should pay the debt. And when the fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were like, well, that isn't right at all. And so they went and they told the master everything that had taken place. Verse 32, the master summoned him and said to him. Now this is the, I, I, I heard this part in like Sunday school, you know, and growing up, but the weight of it, I don't think hit me right. Listen to this. The master summoned him and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And this is, of course, the, this is the crux of the whole passage. Should you not have had mercy the way I had mercy on you? God has forgiven us all our sins. He's forgiven us a far more massive debt than we could ever possibly pay. He forgave all that. And so shouldn't we forgive someone else who chokes us in church or, or, who, or whatever it is that they've done to us? Even if it is a big thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of the things people do. Okay? Sometimes people do horrible things to us or to someone we love. But by comparison to virtually infinite sin, it's not as big. And so Jesus says, look, even the hard stuff, I need you to forgive because I had mercy on you. You must have mercy on them. And if you don't forgive, bad stuff happens. Not just God calling you wicked. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And then verse 34, this is the scary part that always got skipped when I was growing up. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all his debt. And so my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. He handed him over to the torturers. Some versions say jailers. That's a little nice, that's a little nice way to put it. Um, these were people who, they, they didn't watch your cell to make sure you didn't escape. They made sure your life was a living hell. The king hands that guy over to be tortured. And then Jesus, which is like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a, that's a scary enough ending. And then Jesus just gut punches. And so will my heavenly father do to every one of you. If you don't forgive from your heart, like for real forgive. Anybody else think that sounds kind of scary? Torturers is not a good word. I, I would like to have nothing to do with torture, please. Like at all. And now, why does he say that? I, I think it's because when we live an unforgiven life, it is torture. We're going to end up being tortured one way or another. Um, and I think a lot of, there's a lot of repercussions from it. Uh, they've actually done studies of unforgiveness on health, and they've shown that people who are holding unforgiveness towards other people get sick, cancer, things like that. Like the, the, when they, the studies I've read, they're like, this is like actually huge and massive. 
Um, and we know that it affects us mentally, it affects us emotionally as well. A lot, it's oftentimes things like depression and, and, and some of those mental tortures, emotional tortures, they happen often as a result of unforgiveness as well. And I experienced that when we were in Japan. Um, I've shared this a little bit before, but uh, I had a pretty severe depression and I had to um, go to the doctor and I had to get medicine and I was on antidepressants for almost two years. And, which was good, by the way, for me at that time. It helped me, it helped even me out enough so that I could focus on what was actually wrong. Yeah. Right? And what I found out was wrong was unforgiveness. That was really the main thing at the root of it. Um, but it was a tricky one because it was unforgiveness towards God. And the word unforgiveness doesn't really apply in the strictest sense because unforgiveness is when someone does something wrong and you let them off the hook. Well, God didn't do anything wrong, but he didn't do what I expected him to do, what I wanted him to do. And so there was that disappointment there. Whenever expectations aren't met, humans tend not to respond well. And as that you know, cascades over years and years, um, I didn't realize it, but I was hanging on to that. I wasn't letting that go. And unforgiveness or holding on to things that you shouldn't hold on to, they, they poison you. That's stuff you don't want in here. It's stuff you don't want up here, right? It poisons you, and it made me sick. It made me sick. And um, God helped me to get rid of that, and I haven't really struggled with depression since then. So it's been like eight years or something like that. Yeah, praise God, because that's a, man, that's a monkey on your back you don't want. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that was one of the verses, actually, that I really meditated on. Because, and that verse particularly helped me to to know that what I was experiencing and feeling wasn't inappropriate. It was what you would expect. All my hopes were deferred, and so now I was sick. My heart was sick. That's what would happen. What was wrong is that I allowed that to take place. And so I needed to go and... We give up those hopes or replace those hopes, set them in the right spot so that I wasn't constantly being disappointed and having expectations that were not right or not fair uh, of God. Did you have something to add? I was kind of doing this. All right. Anybody else? Steve. You know, when, um, do you think that... Does anybody else think that, like, and do you think that when God, um, when Jesus has given us this option, right, and um, it seems like he still bears in mind that we're human mm-hmm. and how the humanity part of us works. And it, like another one that came to my thought was um, when he tells you to be loving to your enemy, mm-hmm. be kind to those that persecute you. Why? Because it will be like burning coals on their yep. head. I mean, it, it seems so convoluted, but it, it's like, I know you want to get even with this guy. Yep. And, but instead, I want you to be forgiving and loving. Then he throws that, that zinger in there. It'll be like burning coals on his head. Right. It's like, you still get your revenge, but yep. it'll, it'll make me happy I, I that think, way. I agree, and I think God, God understands us re- really well. He invented us, Right. Yeah. So he gets psychology. He gets how the human mind and how our emotions work because he invented those things. He watched yeah. us fall. He has a very long multi-year experiment called Earth happening. So he's got a lot of data 
he knows what we're like. And he knows sometimes we need a carrot, sometimes we need a stick, sometimes we need both. Right? Well, and even in this one, he makes he makes you a deal that you just can't turn down. It's like, uh, okay, you got to forgive him. Uh, and if you don't, you know, I mean, it just makes it so you can't say no. It's like, right. if you don't forgive him, you're going to be tortured. And if you want to be forgiven, uh, you have to do it. But I don't know. It just seems like he, he still is thoughtful of, that, yep. of our human nature. Absolutely. Even though he wants our nature to change, he, he He's because he he's given us free will, and so he respects that. And yeah. so, but sometimes he knows we need a lot of help to choose the right thing. Yeah, we need help to make the right choice. <laughs> yeah. So you need to choose. Here's the right choice. If you don't do it, you will be tortured. So there's that. Yeah. But make your own choice. <laughs> when we look at it like that, when we see that, it's like, well, okay, that's really not much of a choice, right? I have to choose to forgive. But the problem is we either we don't know that or we don't care or we're so angry or upset or traumatized that we do our own thing anyway and we don't want to forgive. I, I'm not trying to imply by any of this that forgiveness is in any way easy. It's not. No. It's not easy no. to forgive. That's right. And Jesus knows that full well. He's about to give up his whole life so that we can receive that forgiveness. He knows what it costs. He's about to pay that cost actually himself. Right? So we're not saying forgiveness is easy, but we are saying it is not optional. <laughs> we must choose to forgive. I saw Miriam first. Oh, yeah. First, Andrew, can you grab the mic? Sometimes when I really want to get revenge, and I'm like, they deserve, I'm like, you know what? God's judgment is worse than anything. God's judgment is worse than anything I could do to them. You know what I mean? So I'm like, just you wait. You're going to get it from God. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> well, and forgiveness is nothing we could ever do without God. Like, even in the story, God forgives the guy first. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not like he says, okay, see how you are with other people, and then I'll think about forgiving yep. you. Yep. Like, yep. we have to be forgiven first before we can even contemplate the concept of forgiving somebody else. Yep. Very, very true. Um, Andrew, hang on to that. God gives first so that we can give. Laura, CJ, could you grab? Uh, yeah, um, oftentimes when I'm before the Lord, um, I think one of the pieces to forgiveness for in my situation is I'll ask the Lord for the gift yeah. of forgiveness yes. so that mm -hmm. I am able to forgive. I, absolutely. I think, I think So that's... I do believe it is a gift. I don't... Personally, I don't believe a person can truly forgive unless it is a gift received by, by Christ. I yes. think that Amen. you can have the greatest motive and your conscience can be very willing. But I really believe it is Christ alone on that one. I agree. I agree. We can, I think we, by, by an act of our own free will, we get that ball rolling yeah. to want to forgive. And sometimes that first step is to say, Lord, I need help to forgive this person because I can't. Right, right. Particularly if it's something bad or something old that's hung on. Or ongoing. Or something that's ongoing. Ongoing ones are really tough because you're like, all right, I'm trying to forgive, but it keeps happening. Like, uh, 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 uh. It's like when you're trying to get up when someone's be actively beating you down. It's harder. Um, so ongoing, ongoing ones are tough. Uh, so are obviously really big things or really old things, things that happened a while ago 
that we've been holding on to. And the first step is often to say, okay, God, I want to want to forgive, <laughs> but I don't really want to forgive. So can you please help? I recognize that I must. I recognize you require me to. And I feel like that's unfair because I can't. That's good. Yeah. So little help here. And God is like, Vroom. yes. Yeah, exactly. He, he doesn't say, well, I don't know. I'll give you a week. Maybe you're going to do well enough. I'll help you out a little bit. No. He is like, bam, I am there. The Holy Spirit loves forgiveness. That's right. Right? God loves forgiveness. It's the whole reason the Jesus thing happened. It's the reason for everything. And so he wants us to do that too. And every time we forgive, that's more Christ-like. Every time we can forgive. Because Jesus forgave the horrible things, the stupid things, the unfair things. They were torturing him on the cross and he forgave them. Yikes. So that's our example. And he expects us to do that. But he knows we can't do it on our own. Absolutely. And we ask God for help. And what I have found in my own life anyway is that as I continue to choose to forgive and walk in that direction, the cross direction, God continues to help and to help and to help as I go along. There you go. Right. And he gives out what is needed to make, to make that next step of forgiveness. Yeah. In, in, that, in that same path that when I choose, you choose to forgive and your heart doesn't feel like it. You know, I'll, I'll know that. And then you make a choice and then God's going to help you uh, feel it. You don't have to feel it in the beginning. But with that, I want to say that when we pray for people, it changes our heart. And when we bless people, yes. and the verse that says bless those that persecute, I have to just say, I've experienced that a million times in my life. So is my daughter. Like, why are you going to bless them? They were so mean. I'm like, because it's a principle of God. And I think if you bless them, they get nice and then they're nicer to you, you know? So we, we don't know the whole reason, but it's a gut principle of God, so we follow it. And I can't, I could go on for a long time telling you all the experiences that my daughter has seen. And so that faith, that knowing that God will change yeah. things, you know? Absolutely, you. absolutely. Ruth, do you have? Um, just when Laura was sharing, it just reminded me of the verse, um, freely you have received, freely give. Yep. And then we receive forgiveness by faith, so we can give forgiveness by faith without our feelings being there yet. Absolutely, without our feelings being there yet. And so sometimes it is a step of faith to start to forgive, even when emotionally we might be too hurt to really do anything about it, you know? And what I have found is that, the way it was described to me at one point anyway, was that once we have forgiven, then we receive healing. And at least the way I have experienced it, is that healing comes incrementally as we forgive. It's not like a once you reach 100% forgiveness, now, ding, 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 now you get your healing. At least that's not my experience. My experience has been as I get to 20% forgiveness, I start being healed, and that makes it easier to forgive. And then you get a little further, and then you start getting healed a little more. And yes, to get fully healed, you have to forgive 100%. It has to be fully done, fully from the heart. But at least I have found that God is there with me the whole way. He's not expecting me to do something unreasonable because he's the one who already did something unreasonable for me. Amen? Laura? Yeah, I have a question in regards to insidious sins and mm -hmm. what that looks like in regards to forgiveness. Um, Maybe define insidious sins. Uh, well, there are, you know, there, are, there is something that the Bible calls the unforgivable sin, but that has to do with rejecting the Holy Spirit, like saying, I don't need the cross, basically is what that is. 
Beyond that, there are sins that are definitely worse than others. There's this weird idea in, in evangelical Christianity that all sins are equal. And I heard that growing up. All sins are equal in the eyes of God, which is, it's not in this book. I don't know what book no. they're getting that from, but no. it's not in here at all. Right. All sins are not equal, not, not even close. The only sense in which you could say all sins are equal is in the sense that once you've sinned, you're a sinner. And so it doesn't matter what that sin was, but that all happened before any of us can remember. Like when we're little kids, we sinned. We were born with original sin. I mean, no matter how you look at it, it, it's not really relevant. Sins are definitely different, and there are degrees of how bad they are. And so that's why Jesus, he says, hey, you've heard murder's bad, right? Yes, we, are, we all know that one, murder is bad. Well, I'm telling you, if you hate someone else in your heart, it's as if you're murdering them. That's a sin too. What? Now, Jesus is not saying if you hate someone, it's as bad as murdering someone. That's not what he says. He's saying that's also a sin. There are degrees. Everyone knows that feeling hatred towards someone is not as bad as stabbing them to death. <laughs> Obviously. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Having a lustful thought towards someone you're not married to is bad. Going out and acting on that for a whole weekend is worse. Right? We all know this. This is just basic logic. And it's true in the Bible as well. Um, and the Bible does list some sins that are, you know, worse than others. Uh, sins against God, sins against yourself, sins against the sanctity of life, you know, murder and those kind of things. Cheating on your taxes is bad. It's a sin. It's not like murdering someone, right? But the, an, a sense in which you could say all sins are the same is that Jesus will forgive them. But they have a far different effect on us. And they have a far different consequence. Because forgiveness gets rid of any penalty. There aren't penalties anymore in Christ, for those of us who are in the New Covenant. But there are still earthly consequences for what we do, that's right? True, if, you, if you do something really dumb and you get arrested, you ask God for forgiveness, you'll be forgiven. Spiritually, you're forgiven for that sin. And Jesus, our God... Uh, separates it from us, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember anymore that sin, but we're still in jail. We can't say, uh, Your Honor, I prayed last night. Jesus forgave me. Just wanted you to know. So thanks for the you know, hot meal, but I'll be on my way. You're going to hear that gavel bang. Silence! And then you'll get your sentence. So those are consequences for what we do, and in, in this world there are plenty of those. But there also can be spiritual consequences to what you do to what we do, right? So, yeah. I, I've, I, I knew some people in college who were using this bizarre concept that all sins are the same to have license to do worse sins. You know? Well, if having lustful thoughts is already a sin, oh well, might as well go all in. All in. And I'm like, no, you know that's wrong. You know that's obviously crazy, right? Um, so, yeah, anyway. Um, Forgiveness is not always easy. We have to ask for the Lord's help uh, to do it. Yeah. It closes that forgiveness bank for us. when we live in So when we are unforgiving towards other people, we're living in a state of being unforgiven ourselves. And that, again, has consequences. That has consequences. And that's where the torture thing comes into play. The father and the king hand them over to the torturers. And that's where that comes into play. And life is tortured if you're living in an unforgiven state. Um, because it's as if you hadn't come into faith, basically, in that sense. 
But as soon as you confess, as soon as you forgive and as soon as you confess, God's faithful and just to forgive those sins, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He will help you to forgive. And as soon as you start down that road of forgiveness, um, God opens up the bank. But he does expect you to do it from your heart. That phrase there, from your heart, um, that's something Jesus says a number of times. And he means for real, not pretend, not like those Pharisees are doing it. Those Pharisees are all liars. They're putting on a face. They're putting on a show, right? Jesus is like, I don't want you to put on a show. Lord, I forgive my brother. Come and give a testimony in church about my magnanimous forgiveness. That's not what he's looking for. He wants it to be real from the heart. You have to forgive from the heart. So you can't fake it. You can't trick God to say, God, I'm done with my forgiveness thing now. Please give me my reward. God's like, dude, no. Maybe you made that first step. Maybe you said, okay, God, help me to want to forgive them. And you started doing it and you started forgiving. And then you're like, that's enough. Um, this week as I was preparing this, I realized that there were a couple people that I still needed to forgive. And I was on the path, you know, well down the path, but I sort of, I don't know, got weary of walking down it or, or just got lazy or just run, I ran into an emotional hurdle in my own heart and was like, you know, mm, I'm still pretty hurt by what they did. So like I forgave some, but I, I kind of, I paused it for a while few weeks or so, you know. And so the Lord convicted me even while I was preparing for this to say, hey, you, you going to keep going or not? You going to keep forgiving? You going to finish? Because sometimes it takes time, you know, not five minutes time. Sometimes if it's something that was really hurtful, if you're talking about betrayal or abuse or something bad like that, something really hard to get over, it takes time to get over it. But you absolutely can Get over it. And so for some of us here, the issue, the problem might not be that, oh, there's somebody I need to forgive that I didn't realize. The issue might be like, have I forgiven from my heart? And there are some ways to test that. Um, so we talked about incremental, right? So God's like, if you forgive, it's like dumping hot coals on their head. You know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So I'm going to do it for you. So I think that's like once that's to get us in the door. All right, I'll go down the path. But eventually, as we're going down the path, revenge fantasies are not allowed anymore. And that should be obvious, right? If we're, if we're still saying, ooh, I can't wait for them to get their comeuppance, have we really let them go? Have we really forgiven them? You know, um, I, think, I think not, and I think we all know that, right? But we've done it to a point, but now it's, all right, now it's time to let that go again. Now it's time to let that go more. Say, all right, God, I don't need you to smite them. And then you get to the point where what Miriam was sharing before, where you're praying for the other person. And when you start doing that, you don't mean it. <laughs> I'm just be honest. Lord, bless them and their family, that son of a... I mean, like, you don't want God to bless them, but you pray for it anyway. But again, as you walk in faith, God strengthens that. He helps that. And pretty soon you find that when you're praying for someone, you actually want them to be blessed. And that's a wonderful day because you're like, oh, God has really done a lot in here. I, that's, that's the point at which, at least for me, you're like, you're almost there, if not all the way there already. Just ask the Lord, is there anything else I need to do? And there might be something. 
There might be something. And every, every interaction and relationship is different. You know how you interact with God. And so he will lead you down this path in what it is that you need to do to forgive from the heart so that you can eventually pray for them to be blessed and you actually mean it. That you can see them or think about the event that occurred that was terrible and it's not okay now. This doesn't make what happened okay, but it no longer guts you every time you think about it. And again, forgiveness, it's, it's, it's ongoing. And so you may totally forgive, and in a couple years, you come back and you're like, ooh, I still have a little bit there. That's okay. It's no condemnation for that. Just deal with it. It's a little more to forgive. It's a little more to forgive. And that's a good thing. Anybody have any questions on that? I had a comment. Yeah. Andrew, could you... Um. As you were referring to the Psalms and David, God is not surprised when we have questions and doubts and needing help. Uh, and as we were all sharing together here, and Nate, uh, this is so good. I think we all are just uh, soaking this in because it's so needful. We, uh, God knows our hearts. We have hurts and pain and uh can I say, anger, yeah. righteous anger towards something that happens and it's not right. And how could this have happened? And, and yet the scripture says, don't be surprised by the fiery trial. And I've found sometimes uh, where there are darts that are coming uh, back when you think, as you say, I've forgiven, but Lord, Holy Spirit, I need a miracle working power because here, I, I see the enemy trying to remind me, yes, but, oh, my good, oh, well, you know, <laughs> all sorts of thoughts where we have to be um, aware. I, I have to be aware Absolutely. To, to do that fight. Lord, help me fight this battle. And also, I've asked the Lord to erase things from my mind. And I, I think it becomes faded more faded. Yeah. It doesn't come back as much as you it's said. It's not as loud. It's a, it's, it's a walk. We're walking through this life, you know, yeah. and uh, yep. it's not a perfect place, but we're <laughs> it's a process. With the Holy Spirit. It's a process. Sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back. Yes. And that sort of thing. Exactly. But yeah, we, we can't trick God into thinking we've done it. We, we it needs to be from the heart. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was good. Um I want to pause for a second here. Um, the, the, so I said the Lord gave me a word for us, which is what precipitated the teaching on the topic. And that word was this. Are we ready? We need to forgive 2020. And your response to that might be what my response was. What? How do you, how do you forgive a year? What does that even mean? The year, last year, the past, oh, oh, that's actually not a bad metaphor. But no, I'm talking about the year. I'm talking about this past 13, 14 months. God said, you need to forgive that. We need to forgive that. Um, and my response was, how do you, for, what? And then I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, uh, when a person wrongs us, that stings, because we know that person, right? But it's also a little easier to forgive a person, because you can picture them, and you can let that person go. It's hard to forgive a virus. It's hard to forgive lockdowns. 
It's hard to forgive government. It's, I mean, what, whatever, whatever it was that happened, it's hard to forgive not making enough money. <laughs> it, those things are harder to forgive if we can't put a face on them. Which is why people sometimes like putting a face on things when it really doesn't need to be. Like government, let's put a face on that, something I can direct my anger towards, right? Or, or whatever the case may be. But I think there are things that we need to forgive, God is saying, that happened over the last year and a half or so. That we need to forgive and we need to let go of. And so I don't know what those might be for you. Um, I know for some of my kids, it's things like missing birthday parties, not being able to do vacations, or not being able to have friends over to the house to play with. The kids have had to give up a lot. They've lost oh, out yeah. on a lot. There's a lot that they have to forgive. But it can be hard to forgive when there's not a person to forgive. How do you forgive just the situation we've had over the last year? It's sort of amorphous. And so, but I feel like the Lord wants us, I, I think it has something to do with also just saying goodbye to this current stage of our church and moving on to the next stage as we, as we move. I think God is saying there's still a few things you need to leave behind. There's a few things we need to leave behind and let go of. Things that have been going on the last year. Maybe some of that's church related. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's jobs, whatever it is. It's been a tough, <laughs> a tough year and a half or so for a lot of folks, maybe most of us at least in some ways. And so God wants us to let go of that stuff. Does that make sense? Yes. So, I'm not even being mad at God. And, 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 and when we look for a face to pin things to, God often becomes that face. And we're too religious to admit it. But in actuality, we're mad at God. God, why didn't you come through for me? Why didn't you answer these prayers? Why didn't you do what I wanted you to do? Why didn't you do what I expected you to do for our country or for our state or whatever the situation is? Sometimes it's God we need to forgive. And again, I don't mean forgive in the sense of someone who commits a sin against you. I mean forgive in the sense of let it go. Repent of wrong expectations. Even if the expectation itself wasn't wrong, sometimes we put our hope in the expectation instead of putting our hope in God himself. Does that make sense? We put our hope in the expectation. And then when that doesn't happen, we obviously get upset. We get very let down. And then it's easy to hang on to that. I don't know, God, you didn't really come through for me last time how I wanted. So I don't know about this time. Sometimes that's subconscious, but it's there. And that, those, that kind of baggage is, is not worth taking to the next place. <laughs> it's not worth taking out of this room. So let's take a couple minutes. Let's leave all that here. Does that sound good? Um, I'm going to lead us in a short prayer of, of forgiveness uh, that we can join in together. Um, and then I'll give the benediction. And then if more people have something to share, they can. Father, we thank you that you forgave us. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven, that massive debt, that debt we could never possibly repay on our own. We thank you for that, and we pray that you would help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us. It is sometimes hard. It's sometimes difficult to even imagine how do we forgive something, something like the past year. How do we let go of things? How do we forgive viruses or hospitals or life <laughs> or you, whatever it is we need to let go of. So Lord, we place ourselves in your hands and just agree with this prayer if, if this is something you want to do. Father, help me forgive. 
Help me want to want to forgive. Help me have the fortitude and the strength to continue walking down that path of forgiveness so that I can get to the place where I've really forgiven from my heart. Help me have the strength to keep doing it, to keep walking, to not settle for forgiving halfway like Pastor Nate realized he had started doing this week. Help us to follow through, to forgive all the way, to let go all the way. And we receive your healing as we make that walk, as we take those steps. We thank you for one another who can stand by us as we do that, as we forgive. And I'm going to give, give the benediction, but let's just remain in an attitude of prayer. Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord, make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor, give you his peace, give you the strength to walk the road of forgiveness. It's not an easy road to walk, but you're walking it with Jesus. If you take his hand and walk down that road, it's going to be a lot easier to walk down it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's just spend another moment, those of you who can, in prayer before the Lord, asking him, who do I need to forgive? What about the past year do I need to let go of to not let it poison my heart anymore? Let's just give the Lord a minute to speak to us.